The narrative is not what it used to be six years ago. We don't cut the middleman to save money anymore. We cut the middleman to pay more to Facebook and Google ads. But ultimately, the cost to acquisition is getting pretty close to having a brick and mortar store. Hello, welcome back to Shopify On Location, a special series where we explore a city through the eyes of some of its most notable merchants. I'm Shuang Yeser-Shan, and we're in Montreal this week. The people of Montreal have a lot of pride in their city. They often shop and support local businesses. One of these companies is Polysleep. They are the mattress maker of Quebec. Polysleep won the market by investing heavily in local SEO strategies and getting seen around the town through their bicycle deliveries, retail presence, and fun social media series. Our guest today is Polysleep's founder and CEO, Jeremiah Curvers. He has been on the show before, and we're excited to have him back to talk about growing a large multi-million dollar company at a local level and beyond. Thank you so much for coming by the studio, Jeremiah. Thank you so much for having me, Shuang. What a beautiful introduction. Well, you have been running a beautiful company with so many fun, creative strategies. So because our series is all about the local business scene, the city Montreal, you got to start by telling us why is Montreal such a great place for you to start this business? Out of every provinces you can think of, due to the duality and complexity of having two languages, Quebec particularly, have a very, very strong root in local businesses. They want to have local businesses succeed because many other businesses will just not consider doing business in French. So that already is a higher barrier of entry for many American or larger Canadian business. It creates a lot of complexity, which becomes quite fast an advantage when you're an emerging business. So we definitely capitalize on that, among many other things. And I think it's important to set the local mattress scene of Canada. We have a giant retailer called Sleep Country, and they actually have ownership in sub-brands that specializes in direct-to-consumer. And they actually don't see a lot of success in Quebec, where versus Polysleep, 70% of your sales come from the local market. So talk to us why it was so important to invest in the local foundation here in Quebec before you expanded? One of the core elements in my philosophy is really to create a local success before trying to expand upon it. And the main reason is associated with cost. Cost of advertisement, cost of having a team, boots on the ground, retail store. There's a cost associated with each and every step of growing a business. So when I started Polysleep, it was mainly because I was bedridden with an herniated disc. There was this need. I really wanted to come up with the best mattress. I happened to have the greatest contact I could hope to get in the industry to develop that. We we worked on foam. We worked on iteration based on product history. And we really took what the industry came up over the last 100 years to come up with really an innovative product, not just in material, but also the construction. We are in what people call bed-in-box, that family. We're trying and working really hard to escape that category because there's a lot of small players. There's a lot of players that use 
foreign producer and they're often not associated with quality. We're really a mattress company that really created and found their DNA into really improving wellness through sleep. So that really resonated with people in Quebec because we're a local brand, because we manufacture our product here, because as much as we can, even the material, the raw material, when we can have them made in Quebec, we're doing it. A good example of that will be our fabric. Our fabric is actually knitted here. You won't have the yarn coming from Quebec. There's no cotton field here. <laughs> that being said, the fabric to be knitted here and then assembled here, the packaging, we work with Cascade. We also have plants locally in Quebec. I think all that combined really resonated with the people in Quebec. And that snowball effect, when people are happy with a product, really accelerate how fast you can gain market share. And that's one of the reasons I think it became so complex for outsider to got the success they had in other provinces. Because we deal with local people and we had such a great product from the get-go that just marketing become an amplifier for whatever people were already seeing, which is you got to get this mattress rather than any other else. And retail is basically the last step, the last puzzle piece that we were missing. So it's quite exciting. I would love to zoom in on your philosophy because you mentioned you believe having this local focus was the key to success. It's kind of counterintuitive to what we hear about direct-to-consumer model. People think, I have an online store. I could reach anyone from all over the world. But if you think about it, that is not efficient and you don't have a focus. So by actually zooming in on the local market, it provided you with what was needed to actually thrive and have that snowball effect. That is correct. Another thing people got to think about is what's the product market fit? And in our case, it is a massive hundred pound box. So to say, because I'm a direct to consumer first brand, I can ship that to Taiwan, no problem, or to Australia. Well, funny enough, I got a story about that. We did ship once to a guy who came here. It happens that his Airbnb for two weeks had a polysleep mattress. He wow. loved it so much, got in touch with us and said, I want this mattress back in Sydney in my place in Australia. I remember, I think that was three years ago. And, and we looked at the time and we were like, it doesn't make sense. The mattress is going to cost you like $1,200 and the shipping will cost you over $2,500. Well, Believe it or not, he did it anyway. But that's where I say, in certain industry, if you can ship it in an envelope through, you know, USPS and it's cheap, sure, there's no necessarily operational boundaries that's going to restrict your capacity to really scale at large. But there's a lot of operational complexity in our case, because when you think of it, even if we compress the mattress, it's a lot of air. And it's a lot of weight for something that, from an ESG standpoint and ecologically speaking, shouldn't be produced 6,000 kilometers away. Why would you do that in an economy where local manufacturing is really like becoming more and more decentralized with the current tension that happened overseas? So I think there's great opportunity to rethink the model. And the direct-to-consumer model is amazing to gather data. That data can then be leveraged adapted, rehashed to be used in external market. But people tend to consider that the product market fit 
can be something easily accessibly done without considering the demographics from a country to another. But just the United States, people who deal in the United States, you know that a blue and a red state's personas are already very different. And you're not dealing with one single unified market. It's all these states separately that will like different types of color, that will like different types of messaging. People in Hawaii and people in Texas will react differently to a brand based on the macroeconomics, based on politics, based on so many factors that ensuring a proper market fit, there's a bit of a trap here thinking that because you've got a persona and because you get a great product, it's going to work everywhere and anywhere. So I would be worried about that if I would start again in a business. Don't try to oversimplify. Don't create complexity when it's not necessary, but don't think a persona is the same everywhere. It's very essential to think the way that you have. And it's very important because, like you mentioned, a mattress is not like a piece of clothing that is small, compact, and light. So you need to take those factors into consideration. So for founders who are having a new idea, they want to start a business, what other components of operations should they think about when they're debating, do I stay local? Do I try other markets? How do they determine how they can follow a bit of your sales model and apply it to their business? Well, I would say go back to the basic. Ultimately, direct-to-consumer brand had such a great impact among so many vertical because the narrative was compelling. The reality is now in our industry, in the mattress industry, why so many direct-to-consumer brands just like us are going into retail. The narrative is not what it used to be six years ago. We don't cut the middleman to save money anymore. We cut the middleman to pay more to Facebook and Google ads. <laughs> but ultimately, the cost to acquisition is getting pretty close to having a proper brick-and-mortar store. So ultimately, you got to follow that narrative where it makes sense for the consumer. You can work your way around that. If it costs you as much to sell online than to sell locally into a store, you better have a very strong story because it has to be very compelling for a customer to decide to go with you rather than someone else. So I would really go back to this concept first and then iterate from that. What really can you do to disrupt an industry that have been stagnating or a business model that have been taken for granted for too many years? And, and there is a lot of space still for innovative ideas within the direct-to-consumer landscape, I think. But it all boils down to what's the added value for the consumer, bringing it back to product market fit or service market fit. A part of your local strategy, like you mentioned, is highlighting the fact that the mattresses are produced in Quebec and your partnerships with all of the fabric makers. So how are you highlighting that part of the story? And has it been a big impact on the sales for Polysleep? All our prototypes, when we iterate a new product or original product, were developed at the same exact place with the same exact manufacturer we are still using today. In terms of consistency, we don't have a mattress that is designed here, produced elsewhere by four different factories. And therefore, that really reduced the amount of quality control we have to do in order to bring consistency amongst our product. 
So that's the first element which I think people really enjoy, is that they do have that expectation and they're satisfied with what they see is what you get. So that's the first element. The second element that was really critical for us in terms of choosing a local partner was all the potential waste associated with the margins. We're in an industry where it's extremely competitive and margins are under pressure from pretty much everywhere. Uh, we use, you know, subproducts from the oil industry. So all the rise that happened throughout the years really impact us in terms of raw material. We are a heavy item. So you can imagine how shipping really became something complicated. We don't have repeat business or very little. So cost of acquisition and cost of ads really impacted us too. So all these combined, it's all about how can you save money without compromising on the quality of the product for the consumer. And I think that in the long term, this is where you can have pretty solid wins and build a very strong customer base that even though they don't buy a mattress every three years, whenever they have the opportunity to talk to someone in their family or friends, they will most likely refer your brand. And it's extremely hard from a marketing standpoint to go after people who've been referred by someone they trust. It's close to impossible. And that's also why we really wanted to go back into retail post-pandemic. We know for a fact that when someone set a foot in a retail store that are specialized in selling mattress, if we're not there, the odds is we pretty much lost that person. So that's also why we're so hyper-focused on getting in as many locations as possible. It's important because, well, your Airbnb example, someone tried the mattress in Montreal and they want one for Sydney and they were willing to pay double in shipping for it. It just shows that by experiencing the mattress in person will generate a lot of interest and sales. So talk to us about your strategy actually partnering with local retailers instead of investing in your own retail at the beginning and why that made sense. Yeah. We played with the idea of opening our own store for quite a long time. If you remember, we had pretty large pop-up stores, uh, downtown Montreal. We tried different stores in shopping malls. And <laughs> amidst the pandemic, we've realized that the hardest thing for us was not opening a nice concept store that really was aligned with our narrative online, but it was to find people that would stay long enough to be trained and become experts in helping people choose the right product. And that was the bottleneck. Everybody knows right now how hard it is to train, retain employees and keep them happy, especially in an environment where we don't have multiple brands, that wouldn't be someone under commission. So, that was one of the bottleneck, and this is why we explored the opposite way around, which is, okay, we know we have amongst the best products, so I'm more than happy to put in a competition with other brands. I would say the hardest part was to convince a legacy industry in the retail landscape to say, yes, I'm selling online, I'm gonna compete with you if someone wanna buy online, but if someone go into a store, there's zero chance they're gonna go back online if your salesperson are doing the right thing which is giving them the option of trying our product amongst others. And so far it's working extremely well. We've, we were really surprised about even the discrepancy there is in the market. 
Now, statistics are showing that close to 90% of the consumers will start looking for a mattress online. And amongst all the brands they're going to be exposed to, Polysleep being one of them, there's some larger American brand, and like you said, the brands that are under the umbrella of either Good Morning or Sleep Country, are most likely going to be the top 10 brand they're going to see. What's crazy is that that consumer, that CD stand brand, will go to a store not to find any of them. It's all going to be legacy brands like the Tempur, like all these other guys that have been there for 100 years. And we capitalize on that. Because we have such a strong presence, if we combine in Canada the top largest five brands that sell in stores that have been there forever, we combine them, we still 10x the traffic of these five combined brands in Canada. So consumer want to see our products. And I think there's going to be a massive shift, especially with the notion of, I wouldn't even call it omni-channel commerce anymore. It's, it's really unified commerce where people can decide, let's say, oh, I go on PolySleep website. I want the pillow to be bought right now, but I want to pick it up at that store because I'm flying to Toronto and I want to bring it in the airport, but I want the mattress to be delivered in two weeks at my place. So yeah, we're really working hard towards that and uh, it's quite exciting times these days. Sounds like a very dynamic retail strategy and also very complementary to the online strategy as well. I'm excited to chat more about the loyalty aspect because it is so unique to Polysleep. I'm speaking with Jeremiah Curvers, co-founder and CEO of Polysleep. By the way, if you haven't rated our podcast yet, help us out and leave us a review on the platform you're listening right now. It helps more listeners find the show. Thank you. So we know big ticket items like mattresses, they don't come with a high repeat purchase rate, which means a loyalty program doesn't really make sense. So instead, you run a referral program. Tell us more about that. A misconception is that a transaction ends with a dollar amount being exchanged from a brand and a consumer. In my opinion, that's just one single element amongst the transactional aspects, the many transactional aspects that's going to happen throughout a sales cycle. The first one being, let's say, an email address being exchanged for information that is being sent by email, who ultimately might end up being an SMS when we go lower the funnel, etc., etc. So what we really start working on is, okay, once that transaction is passed, what are still the elements of friction we got to work on to ensure the experience is amazing? And then how can we monetize that positive experience into what would still bring value for the consumer if his whole purchase was stellar? And that's why we start realizing that Referral, due to excitement of not only a great product, but a positive experience, can be leveraged in our industry and replace that repeatability that everybody is seeking. So one thing we worked um, is with a partner called FriendBuy. And what we do with them is whenever someone purchases from us, they're going to have throughout our email flow or even post-purchase call from our customer service to thank the person, have the opportunity to monetize 
the referral. And they could do that very easily using FriendBuy. So how it's applicable is basically if they refer a friend and that email address is used, they're going to get a $25 to $50 gift card given through an application called Tremendous. And they can do what they want with, with that $50. They can have it transferred to their PayPal account. They can receive a Visa prepaid card. They can even give it to a charity. So that's one of the many ways we leverage that. And some people are just becoming so good at it that we push these people towards our affiliate program. And when they become affiliate, it becomes a percentage of the many sales that are going to be generated. And one of them is a great story. She's an interior designer. She averaged, I think, over $2,000 a month in commission. Just referring customer that are happy. And yeah, whenever she go into a house, she's going to do a redesign. Furniture are going to be changed. She's going to say, by the way, what are you sleeping on? You should consider a new mattress. If you want to try them out, try that. And if you want to purchase them, well, here's a coupon for you guys because you're dealing with me. And yeah, on a monthly basis, uh, I think, yeah, it's roughly between two to $3,000 a month she makes just doing that. I think this is also another great piece of advice that might feel a little counterintuitive. A lot of merchants, a lot of founders who are selling big ticket items that needs to attract new customers, they might not think about building on the relationship with existing customers because that is a field of referrals that they could tap into as well. You're right. And one of my greatest advantage before jumping into, you know, starting my own business and the mattress business was that I, I was in MarTech. I was selling marketing technology to larger companies. And it's all about advocacy. It's all about how reputable you are so that this CMO refers you to his friend who's also a CMO who potentially end up being, you know, a lead. And, and that approach can be applicable to pretty much any business. If you really build trust after the purchase and you ensure that, that the experience continues to, to stay great as much as you can, it's, it's hard to control everything, the odds that your customer is being transferred to an advocate are greatly improved. And then that's what you should use and monetize because it's just so expensive nowadays to acquire a customer. Why wouldn't you ask if he loved your product? Hey, if you know anybody who need it, by referring him, I would much rather give you 50 bucks than give 200 bucks to Facebook and Google. Well, speaking to that top of funnel, trying to attract new customers, I know that your website on Shopify isn't just an online store, it's a hub for content and also where you build out a very successful SEO strategy. So talk to us about this ever-changing landscape of search engine optimization. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was challenging. Now it's just so much easier, especially when you're a multilingual store. The recent update Shopify released, if you're on Shopify Plus, it's just so much easier to manage multilingual now. Whereas before, if you wanted to have a subfolder structure, it was a lot more complicated. I've never wanted to use apps to automatically translate things. And that was one of the biggest roadblocks we had originally when starting to work on an SEO strategy. So there's a couple of things people should consider. It's a bit like investing for your retirement plan. Don't expect short-term returns, but over a couple of years, 
you're going to end up drastically improving your odds of being able to gather first-party and zero-party data if you start investing from the get-go in a great content strategy. And I will I will get away from the SEO because the SEO, there's just so many apps, tools, and knowledge now where you can have a very strong base. You, you, you don't need to be an expert, uh, especially now with the venue of so many AI tools. It's very easy to build a keyword list based on competitiveness or get a trial of SEMrush, look at what your competitors are doing, ensure that your on-site SEO is on point. It doesn't take a rocket scientist anymore to do that. But once that is in place, consistency is the key. And that's what we've been doing for, I mean, since we started the company, I would say more than 70% of our traffic, which is going to pass, I think, 2.5 million user, again, more than 70% of them are in Quebec. So it's a lot of traffic for a a website that exclusively sell mattresses, pillow. We're, We're not even pushing accessories that much. So how we did that was really to first focus on product related short term and long term keywords. We really want to own that. Meaning that if you look for a mattress store geolocalized, which we don't have. We still want to create pages that will outrank many of the small website there. So that's one thing we did. To do that, you need a very strong store locator and a very strong local SEO strategy. So we worked on that for quite a long time and we're pretty solid on that aspect. The second thing was products. Well, what's the best mattress? What if I want to compare this brand to Polysleep? Well, we're going to have that internally and externally worked with a proper link strategy with small blogs or other website. Once that is checked, we started working more towards broader expression, short tail. What are the top things that could wake you up at night? What are the 10 best habits you should have in order to improve your sleep? All these elements that are not necessarily tied with our product, but are that are showing sign that potentially changing the mattress might be something to consider. We're trying and we're working really hard in the structure of our blog article to have as much visibility in the zero position. So having bullet points, having paragraph, different schema. And now one thing we started doing more and more too is really pumping so much video content. Rather, it's aligned with more humor for TikTok or more informative information or, or even bedtime stories on YouTube, which, which are starting to perform really well. So, yeah, that, that was really, uh, I would say, at a very high level, the approach I've had when we started and where we are now. And it's so creative because... I know that writing about a mattress or making a video about a mattress might not be the most fun thing. So it's very smart that you're expanding to everything that relates to sleep, bedtime stories, fun videos for TikTok. Um, Earlier on, you mentioned how it was so important to not have translation automatically done by an app. Mm. And I think this is actually one of the pain points for individuals who are starting businesses in a multilingual environment. What other advice do you have for founders in that position? There's a lot of traps, especially nowadays. AI is an amazing tool that can be leveraged to facilitate certain things, 
really spend the time to ensure it makes sense for the user because it's easy to pump gibberish that will not bring value to the user and ultimately that will not help your brand. So invest in a proper content strategy and if an expression is popular and you try to outrank an article, that's great, do it. But ensure that you bring more value to the user than the other article is. If not, you're not helping anybody, especially you in the long term. So that I would say is, for, from an SEO standpoint, the biggest trap people could fall into is to remain too technical and think only about, okay, there's 200 expressions that are not too competitive that I want to rank on. Awesome, great. Now, you don't need to rank on the 200 of them. You know, prioritize. You can do that over time. Just ensure that each and every article you write makes sense for the user and not like, oh my God, what did I just read for the last three minutes and I wasted my time, you know? Yeah, oftentimes we want to create articles that Google or any algorithm likes, but we forget that we need to create content that humans like and we actually want to read them and watch it, so. Yeah, Google will not buy your product, (laughs) right? You can pump as much content as you want and have amazing traffic, but if it only dilutes your brand and and make the customer doubt your capacity to write something compelling that is interesting, you're really not helping your brand. You know, it's just common sense. Any founder, any CEO want to see this metric going up. But after the metric, think of the person, you know. I would much rather have... 200 people on my website that are reading content that they do appreciate and potentially subscribe to my newsletter because they see value in this content than to have 2,000 of them that just bounce after an article and will never come back to my website because I made them lose their time. It's too valuable. It is a transaction. You're you're taking time from someone. So you got to bring value in return. I like what you said about investing in SEO and content feels like investing for your retirement because there is a long period where you're waiting for the return to come back to you. Similar, you know, when you think about Facebook ads, once you put money in, there's sales coming back. Now you're experimenting so much with content, the interviews you're doing on the street for TikToks, and also the bedtime stories. So talk to us about the different series and why was it important to create those mini series and actually drive people to the brand when they're not necessarily even thinking about a mattress? Yeah. The first thing was to humanize the brand. Every mattress company, ourselves included right now, it's just that constant, constant, like, I got the best product because of this. I got the best product because of that. And I think consumer at some point are like, I'm so fed up of seeing everybody saying the same thing with different wordings, which is I'm the best because of that. So the goal was really to humanize a brand, make people realize that we're actually a team. We're not like a hundred thousand employee hidden somewhere in another country, you know, that, that are doing that and don't care about the users. So it was really one to connect with the users as Polysleep, as the brand, and not just as a company that sell mattresses. And, and that is just so amazing because once you start doing that, in return, what you can do is have some surveys or start asking questions. So for example, when we launched our new product, the Aura, 
we were hesitant between three names. And because our engagement on social media were so high, we started having these questions showing up. So as you were watching a story, at some point you're going to see like, hey, by the way, we're launching a new mattress. We don't know which, which should be the next name. What would you suggest? And we started using that data to, to make decision, business decision driven by what real people, consumer in the market, or even people who are not client yet would like to see better. Uh, so I would invite any business right now to consider a content strategy, not just to drive hard KPIs such as sales, traffic, but, all, but really go back to what engagement means. It's not just comments and participation when you do a joint con contest and how many likes you have, but are you really able to communicate with your audience or a small percentage of, of your audience to get real data that could be applicable in your day-to-day -day decisions? So that, that I would say is the, is the main driver of these initiatives, and, and we're really happy with the results so far. Yeah. Well, it's amazing to see who knew that everything started from a golf injury and now you're a mattress expert and you are sharing so many great strategies. Thank you so much for being here, Jeremiah. Thank you very much, Wang. It's always a pleasure to be here. Same here. I feel like I learned so much from you each time we talk. That's Jeremiah Curvers, co-founder and CEO of PolySleep. And that's it for this episode of Shopify On Location in Montreal. Our show is produced by Megan Coyle and Gogo Zoger. Our engineers are Matt Schwartz and Miku Betlam. Benjamin Gottlieb is our supervising producer. Special thanks to Eric Gendron and Audio Z for production assistance. And I'm Shuang Yasser Shan. See you next time on Shopify Masters. Shopify Masters.